Welcome, hour number two of the Bill Michael Show. We are glad you're with us. We are broadcasting live. We are here. Sturgis, South Dakota. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at New Male Medical. Call them, 414-455-4451. Helping guys with ED all over the state of Wisconsin and beyond the borders. And, yes, you can you can get help. But you can't do anything if you don't call. Again, 414-455-4451. Um, so, first of all, down below they are getting ready. You're going to hear a bunch of bikes fire up here um, in almost any moment. It's supposed to take off here. At uh, 10 a.m. local time, 11 uh, a.m. central time. So in just a few minutes, I would assume they're going to get it underway. But that being said, a couple of pieces of news coming out of Green Bay. Uh, Long Snapper, who we had just talked about yesterday. We just talked about this. Stephen Wordle uh, has been released by the Green Bay Packers and also wide receiver, often injured wide receiver, uh, Osiris Mitchell. He's also been waived as well. Uh, the other aspect of this is, now, Brian Gutekinst, he had stated today not saying whether or not David Bakhtiari or Elton Jenkins would remain on the pup list to start the season. And, therefore, if they do, they would miss the first four games. He did say, though, quote, they're both doing really well and both have a shot to play early in the season. Now... On Elton Jenkins' side of things, that's great news. And that's almost unexpected. So the same statement for two guys is taken vastly different. Because Elton Jenkins, remember, went down mid-season, past the halfway point of the season. And for him to come back earlier than expected, that's huge news. David Bakhtiari, on the other hand, who has, quote, a shot to play early this year, that's not good news because it's been a year almost going on two, really, when you think about it, because last year um, he played, uh, you know, some snaps against Detroit, and that was the setback and really didn't play after that. And you're coming up on December 31st of this year will be two years since that knee injury. So while the same piece of information was doled out about both players, it's taken vastly different. And also, the question was posed to Brian Gutekinst about whether or not uh, David Bakhtiari would be, quote, game ready and football shape and such. Well, you know, he said, well, David's going to do it in his own time, and, you know, he's veteran enough. You know, these are all cliches that we've heard before for a guy that is not healing well, you know. If you say it about Elton, Elton, Elton Jenkins, yeah, you get it. You say, okay, you know, that, that's great news. Not for David Bakhtiari. Still not ready to go with that knee injury. And as Mike Clemens gave us uh, yesterday, he is also – he's not doing a whole lot on the sidelines. Now he's he's doing some drills and such and some get-off drills is kind of what they call them where, you know, you come up – you pop up out of your stance and you get a little burst and you push off a little bit. But he's really not doing – strenuous drills and to say that at this point in time it's concerning uh, or alarming I I think is a vast understatement in just my opinion just my opinion uh 877-867-1670 877-867-1670 uh Dustin says uh, don't think he's ever going to come back 100% or play at the same Pro Bowl level uh at this point in time Dustin 
I probably would agree with you. After after going on almost now, what are we, you know, September, October, November, December, we're, we're what, one year and eight months into this injury. One year and eight months. Some guys come back in eight months. So we're one year and eight months into this injury. And I would say at this point that Bakhtiari, I, I would agree with you. I, it, now it's now it's show me time. Before I thought, nah, he'll be fine. Guys come back from knee injuries all the time. And we've seen this before where they come back, they have a little pep in their step, they're stronger, they put that brace on, they overcome. But technique and everything, muscle memory, it begins to come back rather quickly. In this particular case, I would agree with you. Now it's David Bakhtiari is going to be your left tackle. And when he comes back, you sit back, you fold your arms, and you say, okay, show me. Show me that you still got it. Because at this point in time, I would, I would kind of agree with you. I really would. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. By the way, and Ben, I wanted to kind of defer to you. Did you see ESPN has now officially dropped out of the, uh, the race for uh, airing Big Ten games? Yeah. Yeah, that came through. As we were talking about it yesterday, it was expected. Yeah, ESPN has officially now put out the statement that uh, they are not going to bid on uh, Big Ten games. They were, first of all, going to get only half of the slate of games that they would have normally gotten. And the Big Ten, interesting, the Big Ten is looking at itself like the NFL does, where it does games in the morning, a game mid-afternoon, and then one late game in the evening. And they take three premium games and divide them. That's what they're looking to do with Fox and CBS and NBC. And then obviously some streaming services along the way. And the other games then that are not as of significance as some of the primetime premier games, those will then air on the Big Ten Network as well and other streaming services also. But that's how the Big Ten is looking at itself. Let's position ourselves as the, the game so to speak, via the NFL's model, and let's go after it that way. And ESPN, who had paid over $300 million for 27 games, was offered $350 million for 13 games, and ESPN finally said, no, we're out. So ESPN obviously is going to go after the SEC, and they're going to bolster or see if they can't get to bolster up Pac-12, Big 12, and such for some of the other games. But uh, yeah, ESPN now officially out, and uh, I think what what is the uh, contract status? Is it after this year or next year, Ben? That ESPN will no longer be airing Big Ten games after this year, I believe. Because then, year? yeah, then USC and UCLA join. That's my understanding. Because okay. I think the SEC yeah. is still on CBS this year. I, I like anything. Change is always awkward. It's human nature. You don't like change. We don't like change. But I think this is going to be good. Other than the fact that I'm going to miss Chris Fowler and, and Kirk Herbstreit doing Big Ten games, um, I, I don't think it's a terrible thing for the Big Ten. I think this is, uh, again, they are probably right now ahead of the SEC in terms of positioning themselves as the moneymaker dominant conference now eventually they're going to have to bring championship victories to that to uh, establish that on a consistent basis because the sec has been dominant in the championship area 
But overall, the Big Ten's been as competitive as the SEC in a lot of different realms and certainly a, a moneymaker in a lot of different areas as well, and especially bringing in now UCLA and USC as bringing in the L.A. market. So uh, when it comes to the dominance of the East Coast and the West Coast and everything else in between, the, the Big Ten certainly has that going for them. But, uh, yeah, you're going to have the SEC going to uh, ESPN most likely. Uh, they're going to throw all their resources in that direction and then spread some of that out among some of the other networks and then the Big Ten will be uh, the dominant one running through uh, the, the, you know, CBS and NBC and such and Fox. So there you have it. Um, Mark says, uh, oh, by the way, I wanted to do this real quick because uh, as we sit here today, I, I, a lot of people, like I had mentioned before when we had uh, just at the top of the hour, uh, Rob Couture from the VFW, people do listen out here. Tyler and the guys from Manitowoc Cranes are out here. Now, I, I don't know where they're at. But he says, Unit, we're in Sturgis. Our first time here. The Sound Art guy was great. And I had mentioned that because uh, Sound Art USA is in a, in a building downtown on Main Street called Big Al Swap Shop. And the, the canvas prints, you take a picture and you send it to them. They turn it into a canvas print. But on the, on the inside framing of the canvas print is speakers. It's Bluetooth speakers. You can buy numerous prints and put it in stereo around your house or whatever, but they're cool as hell. I mean, they're unbelievably cool. And I've been talking about them for years and years when they first came into business. But uh, they apparently went downtown and they met Steve. Uh, They said, what was the name of the bar that you were talking about? Was it Stinger? It's called Stinger Saloon. You are correct. He said, we stopped there. We got a cigar. Thanks for the heads up. Uh, We're kind of following the vice, your advice, with us being newbies out here. Then he says, will Goody be a part of the valuation of uh, Jordan Love, or is that strictly LaFleur's job solely? Uh, and that's Tyler and the guys from Manitowoc Cranes. First of all, the fact that you guys went to Sound Art USA and went over to Stinger Saloon uh, and got a cigar, hopefully you ran in to all the guys. You ran into Stinger, you ran into Jawbone, you ran into Art, everybody over there. There's such great people and such a great society of guys, and I've been telling you if you're coming out here or you're out here already, Sound art, numerous places. Night Rider jewelry is really cool. There's a lot of neat places downtown. But when you're going to sit down and quench your thirst and enjoy what I would consider to be the backbone of Americans, that is our guys over at Stinger Saloon who help us out when we're out here. And they're just the best people you'd ever want to meet. Uh, welcoming with open arms. So going back to your uh, statement about Gudikins, uh, yes, he's going to be a part of the evaluation of Jordan Love. Absolutely. I think it's Matt LaFleur, obviously, who's going to be the one that's going to set Jordan Love up to say, grasp success, or you're going to take the rope and go down with the boat anchor that is failure. Uh, you know, there. How, how do I put this? Uh, of course, Brian Gutekinds is going to be a part of the evaluation process. As far as whether or not he's going to become a starter in the NFL after Aaron Rodgers leaves, you know, yeah, I mean, this is Brian Gutekind's, Brian Gutekind's kind of legacy pick. So, of course, he's going to be a part of that evaluation process. But if you're talking about whether or not he's a good quality quarterback, that's going to be a joint effort. You know, Matt LaFleur is going to say, hey, Brian, this is what we plan on doing. This is how we want to put him in position to have success. This is what we're going to do to try to help him out. And then Gutekinds is going to say, I want to see him work with these guys. I want to see him work with the ones. I want to see him work with certain receivers. I want to see what he can do, you know, put him in the most difficult of situations and see how he handles it. 
Don't give him the easiest things to be successful with, but put him in difficult situations to see how he handles that adversity. And then go from there. And uh, But, of course, yes, to answer your question, he's going to be a part of that evaluation process. Tyler and the guys from Manitowoc Cranes, thank you so much for coming out to Sturgis. Thank you so much for listening to the program, and we certainly appreciate it. So there you go. He also, uh, Brian Gudekinst, if you were listening earlier, when he talked about uh, what he's looking to evaluate, he's looking to see more consistency out of, um, out of Jordan Love. Now, they say he shows you flashes, and we hear that. Term, I use it. I use that terminology. You know, show, you see flashes, but you don't see consistency. Now's the time that you need to see consistency. Because if you're still only seeing flashes, that means it's just, it, it's, that's all you're probably ever going to see. The flashes of greatness, that makes you an average quarterback in the NFL. And that's not what you're looking for. You're looking for good to great. And then great to Hall of Fame. Because that's what you've had. That's the level of play you've had in Green Bay consistently now for years and years and years, decades. So, you know, yes, you want to see those flashes because you know that then that talent's there. But you need – we've seen that out of Graham Mertz. Graham Mertz will give you a throw every now and then. You'll go, wow, okay, that's the guy that was recruited. That's the guy we were expecting to come into the Badger system. And then you'll go and see three or four just dumb plays, bad throws, hesitations, Non, not letting it rip, you know, bad reads. Like, what the hell are you doing? Everybody saw the, you know, the safety. So that type of stuff. But you want to see more consistency and more confidence out of Jordan Love. So, And also, one of the other things that Brian Gudekin specifically said was, we are looking for game management out of Jordan Love as well. So some of the things to look for coming up uh, this Friday night. Hey, I uh, want to remind you, our friends at Wisconsin Harley-Davidson, who are also out here, Craig Winger and his staff, great people, uh, but they're out here, they're riding with you, they're hanging with you. As a matter of fact, I think they're going to do a deal with SoundArt and bring that into Wisconsin. So you can maybe even see some of that at the Wisconsin Rally. But that being said, if you're looking to ride, if you're looking for a bike for the rally, if you're looking for some new motor clothes for the rally upcoming here in a few weeks, stop in a Wisconsin Harley-Davidson. Go to WISHD.com. That's WISHD.com for all of your riding apparel, for all of your riding accessories, your parts, service if you need it on your bike to be ready for the ride, and specifically our ride coming up on Sunday, September 4th. And it ends at Wisconsin Harley-Davidson with one hell of a party. That's Wisconsin Harley-Davidson. In Oconomowoc, go to WISHD.com, and I encourage you now, get registered for the ride coming up Sunday, September 4th. We ride for veterans. We ride for military members and their families in Fisher House, Wisconsin, but we cannot do it without you. Stay tuned. More amazing content out here in Sturgis, South Dakota, coming up right after this. This is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Michael Show continues uh, live here in Surges, South Dakota. Back uh, back at home, don't forget about our friends at the Social House, H-A-U-S. Dan Dellen, the whole staff, waiting to serve you right there on Lisbon Road in Menominee Falls. Great place. Can't wait to get back home and start frequenting all over again. A lot of travel going on. Going to be many different areas. Obviously, football seasons travel heavy, but I love it when I get a chance to get back home and start uh, getting back into the norm, if you will. Uh, where we all like to hang out 
And uh, whether it's Social House, Denny's, Stoley's, Hog Alley, whatever, all of them. Love, uh, love uh, getting back into the norm, so to speak. Uh, so uh, get over there. Support them. That's Social House. H-A-U-S, Social House. In the meantime, Andy Herman of the Packet A Podcast joining us uh, on the hotline. So, Andy, uh, let, let's start with first and foremost, what you've seen that has impressed you about this training camp? Yeah, it's a great place to start, and I, I would be remiss to start anywhere besides the defensive line, and really, I guess, the defensive front in general. Uh, I feel like this defensive line has been as strong and as stout as we've seen in a training camp in a very long time, maybe going back uh, to the Packers' 2010 season. Uh, I just think that they're going probably at least five deep right now with this defensive front. Dean Lowry's had a good camp. Kenny Clark's been Kenny Clark. Uh, but you see Jerron Reed really making impact plays day after day after day, getting in the backfield, holding up at the point of attack. T.J. Slayton's taking a jump, and well, I think Devontae Wyatt's still going through some of the you know rookie growing pains. You can see some of the flashes from him as well. Even guys like Jack Heflin and Jonathan Ford have been impressive against the second team. So uh, those guys in the middle, and then guys like Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith uh, setting the edge on the outside, that has been a very tough front for this Packers offense to try to get around. Now the, the next question is, you mentioned the outside linebacking core. I was talking about this earlier with, uh, with Cassidy, and, and – there isn't a lot of depth. Do you believe that the outside linebacker, the backup outside linebackers for the Green Bay Packers, are they on this roster or not on this roster? Yeah, I think they will be to begin with. I think that's probably one of those areas that Brian is going to probably evaluate through preseason and then even maybe the beginning of the regular season. Uh, but, you know, there's there's good news and there's bad news here, right? Because I think, you know, you look at some of these guys, Jonathan Garvin's put together, I would say, four or five days back-to-back of a really impressive play, setting a really strong edge, getting pressures on the outside. Ladarius Hamilton a few days ago had a fantastic day of practice where he had, uh, I think, a a sack, a pressure that led to an interception, a couple stops in the backfield. He's looked impressive at times earlier in camp. Uh, Tipa had a couple really good days. And I think the question just remains of like, all right, have have guys like Ladarius Hamilton and Tipa and Jonathan Garvin actually taken a little bit of a jump and can they be relied upon as edge rushers three, four, and five? Or uh, is it the offensive line that continues to have issues specifically at the tackle? Um, there have been struggles from Royce Newman and Cole Van Lannon, Yash Nyman, et cetera. So uh, I think that stuff is going to get, you know, sort of, you know, vetted out a little bit more come preseason and start a regular season. But uh, right now, I think what, you know, Garvin and Hamilton, especially those two, you've got a fifth round pick in Kingsley and Igbare who's shown a couple flashes. Um, I think they'll start with those guys as the backups and then make adjustments as needed. So uh, I want to go to the uh, secondary of the defense. Uh, Darnell Savage Jr. goes down with a hamstring injury. We don't believe it's going to be uh, any length of time that's going to keep him out, say, of the season uh, in the beginning or anything like that. But the depth in the secondary, the depth is specifically at safety. I like the way he hits and the way he plays aggressively. Do they have backups at safety that can give you the same level of play? Yeah, I don't think necessarily the same level of play as an Amos and a Savage. You know, Savage has been up and down the last couple of seasons. I thought he had a really great 2020. I thought he had a tough 2021. So I think everyone's sort of hoping he can get back to the way he played in 2020. Uh, but, it, you know, today's practice was a phenomenal example of a couple of young guys taking advantage of opportunities. Sean Davis had two picks, one of Jordan Love and then one of Aaron Rodgers. He, he made a perfect read, undercutting her out against Jordan Love, and then uh, caught a pass that was overthrown towards Romeo Dobbs a bit later. And then two-minute drill uh, to end the game. Um, there was a couple, actually, opportunities. Vernon Scott, there was another pass that got air middle a little bit that went off of Vernon Scott's hands. But at the very end of practice uh, on a two-minute drill, uh, Vernon Scott 
guys over, and uh, you know, it looked like Sammy Watkins had a step on air uh, on uh, Stokes on the play, and uh, Scott, you know, again gets sideline to sideline and, and and gets to the football and picks off the pass to end practice and get a win for his defense. So uh, today was a really good sign for those two safeties. Those two have been the ones that have been battling the most for that backup safety spot. I think Dallin Levitt has a really great chance to make it as more of a special teams guy slash probably number five-ish safety, but um, I think that number three and four spot are very much up for grabs with Scott and Davis really in the lead right now. How uh, has Tariq Carpenter looked? Yeah, he's he's going through some of the rookie battles a little bit, and I think they're going to have to sort of figure out, all right, can he actually stick at safety, or do they maybe need to make a transition to linebacker? Um, I would be pretty shocked if he's not a practice squad guy. I don't think he has much chance of getting on the 53 unless he balls out the next three preseason games. Um, and I would be surprised if they just gave up on a seventh round pick. So I think this is going to take, you know, maybe like a Jake Hansen sort of uh, situation where, you know, Hansen, you know, kind of came in his rookie year, uh, got released, didn't make the team, got back on the practice squad. And now Hansen's fighting for a starting spot on the offensive line this year. So, and that was a couple of years later, absolutely, you know, actually. So I think uh, this is going to be for Carpenter something that he probably is going to have to learn on the practice squad and figure out if he's a safety or a linebacker. And then uh, probably see a couple of years down the line if he can sort of cut it on the 53. Talking with Andy Herman of the Pack a Day podcast, you can find him at Andy Herman NFL over on Twitter. Uh, so we talk a lot about the depth of this team, obviously. And Aaron Rodgers alluded to it that if you're going to make the team, you got to be part of the 53 in the sense that you can ball out on teams, meaning special teams. So who has been impressive, and how much better do you think, just by the look of this group schematically changing things up with Ritz Passaccia, how much better do you think the special teams could actually be? Yeah, I think there's some good news and there's some bad news here. So I think the good news is the coaching staff is and their attention to detail and how they're going about things. You can tell there is a much greater intensity. There is a much greater purpose. Uh, how they're going through things with the attention to detail has been really, really impressive. And um, I would just be rather shocked if you don't see improvement in some capacity uh, just based on the time, effort, energy, and attention to detail that they're putting in on special teams. You can tell these coaches very much know what they're doing, and it's been a very pointed approach, and I think the players have really responded well to that. Um, some guys who have looked good uh, in punt returns, Amari Rogers looks better. Romeo Dobbs is competing for that spot as well. Um, I think those two could add some juice this season from a – uh, a group that struggled to, to return punts a season ago. And Amari just looks a lot more decisive than he was uh, last year. And then, uh, you know, Keyshawn Nixon, he just got back to practice, but you can already tell he's going to be one of those core special teams guys, takes it very, very seriously. Um, so I think there's, there's a lot of positives in that regard. I think on the flip side, the long snapper situation is far from sorted out. Steven Wordle got released today, uh, which leaves Jack Coco. Coco's been up and down. I think he was definitely better than Wordle. There was no question about that, uh, but still uh, a little bit, inconsistent at times so it, you know the question remains if the the long snapper on the season is on the roster mason crosby is hurt uh Berkich has been very inconsistent um if all of a sudden crosby's not willing to or able to go i should say uh week one um that would make things uh, a little bit interesting from a kicking standpoint and i think pat o'donnell like today was he was awesome i'd say probably about like four or five of the the live punting days he's been amazing he's had one day that was a little bit tough you see some breakdowns here or there. So this is going to be a little bit of a learning curve for a lot of the guys on special teams, but I'd be shocked if they weren't better than they were a season ago. Let's start with some of the injuries. You mentioned Mason Crosby, which we really don't talk about because we just assume he's going to be there. He's going to be ready to go. But Mason Crosby, obviously Bakhtiari, there's Elton Jenkins, Robert Tanyan, uh, you know, there's Christian Watson. So let's talk about the injuries first. What do you expect out of Mason Crosby? When do you think you're going to see him back on the practice field? 
Yeah, tough to say. It seems like there isn't a ton of concern right now, but you know, he did he did some light kicking. Uh, you know, interestingly enough, with a soccer ball at practice the other day, um, he looked good. He, you know, it didn't seem like there was any hiccup or anything that he was doing. So hopefully, he's back sooner rather than later. And like I said, you know, the fact that they haven't added uh, maybe more competition or tried another kicker out would maybe lead you to believe uh, that this is a situation where Crosby's going to maybe be back sooner rather than later. Uh, but again, it just sort of remains to be seen. You never quite know with some of these injury issues. So then you go to Christian Watson, and obviously he's falling further and further behind each and every day that he can't get on the practice field. Dubs is looking incredible. Uh, so what about Christian Watson? Where do you think he – just for the fact that he just hasn't been able to get on the field because of the injury, where does he fit into this mix? Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see. I, I, from what I've heard, he's a really, really smart guy that is able to pick up on things relatively quick. I think hopefully that serves him well. And, you know, he's, he's an explosive player that brings a different dimension to, I think, the team than any, really anyone else that they have on offense. I think he's going to be the guy that has the ability to stretch the defense. I think he's the guy that could take a shallow crosser and maybe take it, you know, 50, 60 yards downfield with his speed. Uh, I think he could potentially be a kick returner down the line at some point if they wanted to go in that direction. I think he can be used as a gadget player. So I think there's going to be ways that uh, even if he's a little bit behind the eight ball, that they can slowly work him in with different packages that would use his skill set to the best of their advantage, whether that's, you know, sort of MBS as a rookie where he's running a lot of nine routes, even just to be a decoy on the outside and maybe get the um, random ball every now and again, or again, even if he's used like a Tyler Irvin, you know, a couple of years ago where he's in some of those gadget plays, I think there's ways to work him in without having to sort of overload him while he does sort of get back in the process. I think there's still some hope that he gets back early, you know, early in the season or maybe even end of training camp. And then one of the weapons they are counting on at some point, that's going to be Robert Tanya. They're going to need him to come back and be that be that bigger weapon, the guy that can maybe split a defense, go down the middle and be a, a red zone guy. When do you expect to see him back in the practice field? Yeah, same sort of thing with Watson. I think, you know, you always get a little bit of a tell when guys start doing a little bit more rehab work. And guys like Kylan Hill, Elton Jenkins, Robert Tunyon, those guys have been doing a lot of rehab work from pretty much day one. So uh, you never, like I said, you never quite know for sure, uh, you know, when those guys are going to get back. To, and to be fair, David Bakhtiari at this point a, a season ago looked pretty darn good in the rehab group, and we all know how that went. So you never want to put too many expectations on things. But Tunyon and, uh, Tunyon and Kylan Hill and Elton Jenkins are the, probably the three that – uh, you know, are consistently doing things with the rehab group. And again, to an untrained, unmedical eye, look pretty darn good with where they're at right now. Kylan Hill, bring him, I wanted to bring him up because he was, he was a pretty solid kick returner. Uh, you know, I mean, that's the way he really kind of, you know, made a name for himself. Where do you see him in this mix when he comes back? Yeah, I think, you know, whether they put him on kick return right back from coming, you know, from back from injury would, you know, be interesting. And uh, I'd be intrigued to see if they put him back there again, because that's how he suffered the injury. And, you know, sometimes for a, a young player, that can be something that you know, just takes a little bit more, you know, a confidence after having an injury like that happen. Uh, but I think the thing that people forget about Kylan Hill is even despite the fact that they had Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon at running back and were already trying to find, you know, enough touches for those two guys. They created packages specifically for Kylan Hill to get him involved in the offense. That's how much they thought of Kylan Hill. It wasn't just like we need to get a third guy on the field. This was we need to get Kylan Hill on the field some, in some capacity because we think he can make plays for us. 
that's how they felt about him. And unfortunately, he goes down to the, due to injury. He had a really nice kick return, as you mentioned, a season ago, 40-plus yarders. I think their best return on the season. So he has a lot of juice, and I think there is something that he can bring to the table. To me, he would easily be the number three running back um, had he, you know, if he was totally healthy. But uh, we'll see if he has to start on the pup list or not. Good stuff, man. I appreciate it. And uh, we're going to talk more uh, probably after the game on Friday, but uh, a lot to look for coming up on Friday night with a lot of guys trying to make this team and add depth to a, an awkward special teams coming off of last season. Andy, always good, buddy. I'll talk to you soon, okay? Can't wait. Thanks so much, Bill. There you go. Andy Herman of the Packet A Podcast and this portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Stenny's, second and national, Walker's Point. Uh, they are the cheers of Milwaukee, the best sports bar. Home of the Bill Michaels garlic cheese bread and, in addition to that, the best wings you're ever going to stick in your grill and an award-winning Bloody Mary that has won award year after year after year after year after year. They just continue to win. They're that good. Stop in a steady second in National Walker's Point, plus they run shuttles to all the games. Badgers, Bucks, Brewers, Packers, all that kind of stuff. Admirals, downtown Milwaukee. They do it. That's our friends at Stenny's. Going to wrap it up. Coming up next on the Bill Michael Show. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.